Hi, welcome to Diving Into Deep Waters. I'm your host, Erin Rowling. And whether you're joining me while you're working, driving, or maybe you're curled up on the couch with a cup of coffee, no, we're not going to leave you tea drinkers out. If you have tea, I pray that in our time together, you feel blessed, encouraged, and maybe even a little challenged. So welcome. Um, I watched something recently that really kind of had a profound effect on me. I feel like I say that a lot, <laughs> probably, but you know, you you can find moments in anything. I don't care if you're watching something, if you're reading something, if you're listening to something. If you're paying attention, there's probably something that's going to speak to you about something. And um, this, I don't know, I just felt like it was like super inspiring and just like made me, just left a mark on me. Um, Our family was watching America's Got Talent that's like one of the shows that we will watch all together. We we enjoy it. Not really when they get to like the live shows, but we just love watching people try out because they're either really, really good or they're really, really bad. <laughs> and um, you never know what crazy things people are going to do. Um, and it's just like some of the talent on there is just amazing. Just uh and you know what's funny is my father-in-law actually watches the show. And so when we see him, he'll he'll be like, did you watch it? And then he'll talk about it. And then he'll say, one day I'm going to be watching it and the Rollings are going to be on there. He's like, you could all be on America's Got Talent. He thinks way highly more of us than he, he should. But <laughs> anyways, um, but what's kind of a cool thing on the show, if you haven't seen it, um, is that each uh, judge or the host, they get to like push this golden buzzer. And basically it just means, not just means, but you get to go to the live shows. Like you don't have to audition anymore. You're like straight through and there's like gold confetti and everyone's usually crying. And I mean, I don't know. I love, I love the golden buzzer. I love seeing people have a moment, you know, like I don't know. I just, I think I used to be super critical of people. I I don't think. I know I was. But now I kind of just am excited to see people like, I don't know, have a moment. Something that's really spectacular. And just like some of them have been like doing stuff for years and never had any like encouragement. And here they are on like the largest stage in front of all these people And they have this moment, and I don't know, like, I cry mostly through it, just watching them have a moment, because I just think it's amazing. But anyways, so um, there was this girl on there recently, and uh, she went by the name of Nightbird, and she sang an original song, and, but before she, she, um, no, I think after she sang, so she sang this song. And then kind of divulged, I don't know if it was before or after, I can't really tell you actually, but she um, started talking about the fact that she had cancer um, and was had been given like a 3% chance, I believe, of living. And um, I don't know, it was just to see somebody like going through that and then she just had this beautiful voice and gifted songwriter, um, just very unique and... But 
after the the song, Howie, who is one of the judges, he made comment of saying, you know, you would never know you were dealing with cancer. And I loved her reply to that that comment from him because she she said, um, you know, like, thank you. Um, I think it's important that everyone knows that I'm so much more than the bad things that happened to me. And then the next part just kind of blew me away because she said, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. I'm just going to read it again. (laughs) You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Like, I just thought it was super convicting. And I just thought it was crazy that someone facing that that future and without a miracle, you know, she was going to die. I actually looked her up and she's actually doing pretty well right now, which I thought was amazing. But, you know, I think about our own lives and we just, I don't know, I feel like we complain <laughs> you know, this isn't right and that isn't right. And because of all these things, you know, I have the right to feel this way and be a complainer and, you know, half glass full kind of person and kind of be a Debbie Downer and be an Eeyore and, you know, all of these things. And yet here's someone who actually probably has the right to feel that way and would, you know, doesn't have a lot to look forward to in their life. And yet to come up with a comment that's just like, I'm just going to choose to be happy. I'm going to choose so things may never be <laughs> right. But you can either live there or you can can choose not to live there. I mean, this girl didn't just get lemons. She got like rotten lemons. <laughs> I mean, like the worst of the worst of the lemons, not ripe, rotten, or, you know, whatever, Um, I guess you can't be not ripe and rotten at the same time, can you? That doesn't make sense. Bad analogy there. Okay, we're just going to go with rotten. Not, she got rotten lemons, and yet she's making the most delicious lemonade on the planet. (laughs) Like world famous lemonade. I don't know. I personally was really challenged by that quote. And to, I don't know, just reminds me of my friend Ashley who continues to choose joy in her life and people like that just they're remarkable they're just remarkable people and when you come across someone like that let them be infectious to you and just infuse you with who they are and like you know learn from them (laughs) and go out and be and be the same because it it just it can change your life I don't know but I just wanted to share that because I, I don't know, it just really made an impact on me. And I was at first, I was like, oh, that's a podcast, but I just feel to share it. And if you're that person that's like, okay, that's how I am already, you know, you're, you're my hero. And if you're not like that, then we can change that and we can become like that, right? Yes. Okay. Moving on to today's topic. Um, so in my Bible reading, I came across this verse that kind of made me laugh, like legit made me chuckle. I was, I don't know. Um, And I haven't been able to get it out of my head. I think I read it like a month ago. And I've just, 
been racking my brain basically ever since I read it. Like, why is this particular verse in scripture? Like, why, why is it here? (laughs) Because it makes no sense. It seems very random. Um, but this is the thing. If we believe that all scripture is true, we believe it's anointed. There's no, no part, no verse that is in scripture that is there by an accident. Everything has been ordained to be in that book. And so, but what does this verse mean is what (laughs) is kind of, um, what I've been feeling. And actually I was just talking to my daughter and her friend Lizzie and, um, I said, they asked me what the podcast was going to be about. And so I told them and she was like, yeah, my, my pastor just mentioned that verse actually. Like it seems very randomly placed or like a, just a random thought, like, like the writer got sidetracked and just put in a rambling viewpoint or, you know, it's actually an account of, of something that happened. But, um, but so this verse is found in Mark. Um, chapter 14 and it starts in verse 51 it's like the last two verses of mark 14 and it says a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following jesus and when they seized him he fled naked leaving his garment behind that's it that's all it says (laughs) there's like no explanation of who it is um, why the scripture is here. I don't, I don't know. Maybe like, are you like, okay, like with me, like, okay, why is this here? But this is very random. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit more context than just those two verses. Cause I think it's important to, to, uh, us getting into this. So I'm actually going to read to you, um, starting in verse 46. So we're going to like set the stage of what happens before that um, verse happens. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 43. We're just going to switch it up because we can. Um, The title of like this portion of scripture says Jesus arrested. It says, just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, appeared. And with him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. And going at once to Jesus, Jesus said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. In comes our verse. I'm just going to read it again. And a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. And when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Okay, even in the context, okay, you just heard the whole context of this passage of scripture. Even in the context of it, it's a weird verse. I mean, is anyone else confused why this is recorded in scripture? Like, what what made Mark, who was the the author of Mark, Mark, hence Mark, um, feel the need to put this detail in here? 
So that begs the question, is it significant? And personally, I have literally not been able to get this verse out of my head. So I was like, I have to look it up because it's really, really bothering me. <laughs> not in a bad way, but more of in an inquisitive way. Like, is, is there anything out there talking about why this verse exists? Because um, like I said, it doesn't say who the young man is. It doesn't say why it specifically says he's wearing linen. Why do they seize him? Like, I feel like there's all these questions and no answers like in the scripture or it's not like plain the answers. Um, and maybe you're thinking, why are you doing a whole podcast on this weird and seemingly insignificant verse? Um, well, because I think there is more to what we read here. And like I said, if you're curious like me, um, then I want to know why and what is important about this verse. Because again, I, I think that scripture has everything for a reason. So there's a reason. So what is it? And I can't title a podcast, The Naked Man, and not talk about The Naked Man. <laughs> I wouldn't want to disappoint you because I'm sure you clicked on this like, what is she going to talk about naked man? Actually, my husband asked me what the title was. And I was like, the naked man. He was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, what in scripture is about a naked man? And I, I told him, he was like, oh, okay, then I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to hear your podcast. I'm like, it's going to get people's attention, the naked man. And maybe not for the way that they think it is. But um, but one of the things that I think it's important to look at first here is I want to dive into the circumstances. Because I think, I think, you know, if you've ever watched a crime show or this is not a crime show, but you know what I mean? Like um, they always like look at what's going on when it happened you know what's the backstory like the circumstances often pertain to what happened so I think it's important for us to start we're detectives people I just thought of that we're like totally being detectives <laughs> I think it'd be really cool to be a detective anyways um maybe when I'm older uh but if you look at the circumstances at this portion of scripture, um, it's filled with like tension, fear, anger, and a total crisis. I mean, at this moment, you've got someone taking out their sword and cutting off someone's ear. And you've got Judas, who's like betraying Jesus. And you know what's crazy to me? is like, if you think about that, okay, so there's tension, fear, anger, and crisis. And in the midst of all that, you have Jesus cool as a cucumber. Like, he's, <laughs> he's just been betrayed by one of his disciples. Like, by someone who he knew. I mean, Jesus knew Judas. Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. And yet, he didn't hold back imparting himself to Judas at all. Which I think is just crazy because I don't think we are capable of that as humans and yet Jesus did it and it just blows my mind um like literally it does so then he has himself being seized he's 
you know, which personally I would be freaking out if anybody sees me. Like, <laughs> um, then you have someone cutting off someone's ear and everyone deserts him. Like literally, like everybody who said they would be there, you know, till the very end and everything like that, gone. And Jesus allows himself to be betrayed. He picks that ear up. He puts it back on the guy's ear, you know, face, not ear on ear, on his face. Um, He tells everyone to put away their swords. Like he has control of the situation, even though he's the one who's being arrested. If you're looking at this passage of scripture, you see Jesus is in total control of the situation. He is not freaking out. He is in charge. He kind of gives the priest like, you know, his thoughts and, but he still surrenders to them. He doesn't put up a fight. He doesn't call down a legion of angels to like, I mean, he's Jesus. He's the son of God. He can do anything he wants. And yet that part of scripture says, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. So in this totally chaotic moment, And what seems like totally out of control is actually playing out exactly in accordance to what scripture says is going to happen. It's been, it's not a chaotic moment because it's actually been planned from the beginning of time that this was how it's going to go down. This is what's going to happen. Because again, like I said, the scriptures must be fulfilled. So the atmosphere of that moment is that, Everyone is scared and terrified that they all run away. They're not even arrested. Only Jesus is at this point, And yet they turn and they run. They all leave him. I'm sure they left him because they were thinking of themselves and afraid that they were going to be seized next, that they were going to be killed. And this is the thing. Jesus has never been seized before. Right. If you if you read anything up to that point or any accounts, whenever he heals somebody and the Pharisees see him, they're always it always says things like they wanted to kill him, they wanted to arrest him, they wanted to seize him. I mean, they'd been planning this for a long time. And isn't it funny that they don't do it like in the middle of the day? You know, they do it in a secluded spot where they don't have to worry about the followers because you know, there must not have been a big crowd there. or I don't think they would have done it because all the other times they didn't want to look bad in front of the people. So obviously there weren't that many people there. The scene kind of reminds me of a house party. I know this sounds weird, but (laughs) it's kind of like when the cops get called and as soon as they show up, like everyone flees, you know, and and I'm not saying that I know this from experience. (laughs) Because I've never been to a house party. Seriously, I haven't. You're probably like, oh, sure, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, but like everyone gets gets away except for that, you know, the person who obviously threw the party. They're going to get in trouble. Um, and that kid obviously deserves to be in trouble. But here, Jesus does not deserve to get in trouble. He does not deserve to be seized and arrested because he's done nothing wrong. I mean, the Bible says very clearly Jesus was without any sin. There was nothing, he did absolutely nothing wrong. Um, 
I actually re- read an article because now we're going to get into the, the guy, the naked guy, naked man. Um, I read an article that referred to this guy um, that ran away as he was the slow to go. <laughs> Because doesn't it seem like, well, whenever you watch a movie, like, about a house party, I'm going to go for that reference, um, there always seems to be the kid who doesn't get away. Like, they didn't crawl out of the window fast enough uh, when the cops got calls. (laughs) And so this guy, obviously, when it all happened and everyone else got away and everyone else was able to run away, he was the slow-to-go one and got seized and probably freaking out and probably was such a terrifying ordeal to him um, because Jesus was seized. Now he's seized. The followers ran away. So it's like, uh, where did everyone go? And he was so terrified, obviously, that he was willing to run away naked. Like his garment came off and it wasn't like, oh, I'm naked. Let me grab that. It was like, I'm terrified. I'm going to run for my life because if I go back for that cloth, <laughs> that garment, that linen garment, I'm, it's over. They've got me. And he would rather have run away naked than get arrested. So here's a real question in my mind. <laughs> We're real on this podcast, people. If you have never listened to one of these podcasts, um, this is real. So here's the real question in my mind. And it's not spiritual at all. Why wasn't he wearing any underwear? I know you were thinking it. So don't even be like, Aaron. No, I know you were thinking it. Maybe he didn't have any clean. I'm sure. Maybe... Maybe commando was his style. <laughs> I don't know. Were they kind of commando back then? Did they have underwear? I'm not a theologian. Can't answer that question. Maybe I should have looked that up. I don't know. Um, actually, probably not the most important part of the story, nor something we should stay on. But I'm just going to let you into the world of Aaron, and that's where my mind went. It was a it was a question, so I thought I would share it with you because I was pretty sure some of you were going to have the same question in your mind. So I just wanted to make sure you, you know, felt like the question was asked. Okay. All right. So here's another observation. We'll get spiritual again. Um, that I think is important is so we we've established the circumstance. Okay. We've established that it's terrifying, that there's fear, there's a lot going on, it's chaos. And so one thing that I read um, talked about the garment, because it's mentioned twice in that in that passage of scripture. Um, it says, he was wearing nothing but a linen garment. And then in verse 52, it says, leaving his garment behind. So I'm like, okay, they mentioned the garment twice seems like it might be important. And one of the um, things that I was reading when I was researching it was like, well, I don't think the garment's really that important. But it just kind of was like, I feel like it is. I feel like there's some symbolization here or it pertains to something. Um, And because Mark mentions it twice, Mark the author. Um, So I I read this statement and I thought that it was really good. So I wanted to share it with you. It said, 
The focus on the close is not merely a, re a report of the event, but is also an indication of the significance of the event. In Jewish context, nakedness would be regarded as a shameful state. Mark is implying that the young man eager to follow Jesus after others fail him also falls into shame. His leaving behind his clothes is stressed also by ensuring an explicit reference to his nakedness. So nakedness equaled shame. He fled. That would equal shame. He let Jesus down and that would equal shame. Kind of reminds me of another story in the Bible where nakedness and shame were associated with each other. And that was, um, I'm sure you have already thought of it, as Adam and Eve, right? They sin, they see that they're naked, and they hide because they hide in shame. Whenever I, well, not whenever, but the more I read the Bible, I kind of have learned to insert myself into the scripture because I think a lot of times we just read it and we just, I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe you're like totally have always embraced every scripture you've ever read. But for me, I feel like I'm, I like um, visualizing things or um, I don't know, I guess maybe that's why I've always like listening to like audio books and um, radio drama on on radio and stuff like that because I like imagining it. I like, you know, putting myself into the story. And so I I kind of did that with this passage and I thought, what would I have felt if I was in that moment where this passage takes place? And I can only imagine, obviously, that I would have been completely terrified, especially watching someone that I loved. I mean, Jesus' disciples loved him, and to watch him be arrested and, you know, like to watch like Peter chop off someone's ear, I mean, I think we just read that and we're like, oh, he chopped off an ear, Jesus picked it up, and he put it back. Um, Think about it for a second. Someone, <laughs> I don't know, I think I would be probably in shock, like, oh my gosh, did he just do that? Did he literally just chop off that person's ear? And and not only that, um, like Jesus just picked it up and put it back. And it's okay. Like he's all right. I mean, even that part would have been pretty like overwhelming. And, and then to think, oh my gosh, they just arrested Jesus. And taking that in and then putting it on myself and saying, okay, I... I'm going to get arrested too. If I stay here, I'm going to be arrested. And I'm sure I would have I'm sure I would have fled. I mean, I can't imagine being faced with a decision like amidst so much chaos. It wasn't like, "Oh, let me think this through. Should I run or should I stay?" <laughs> I mean, they were probably instantly filled with fear with the whole situation. And I cannot say that I would have made any different choice. I mean, I probably can say with confidence and come to the conclusion that I would have ran also. I would have ran for my life and I would have 
been no different even than the guy who was seized. I would have been like, oh, I lost my cloak, my garment, gone. I'm I'm really not caring, even though it's shameful to be naked. And it's shameful to leave Jesus. And I'm supposed to be his follower, and yet I'm I'm running. And only to run. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, like, let's break it down. Like, they fled. They ran. What do you think they felt? Like, once they, like, composed themselves, like, oh, my gosh, okay, we got away. Like, my heart is beating so fast, and I've just witnessed all this stuff. And then realized, like, in a flood of emotion, I just deserted the Son of God. I just left him there to, like, be arrested. And I'm sure they heard some of the words came back to them about, like, we'll be here till the end. And then they weren't. Like, I cannot imagine the shame and disappointment in themselves that must have just, like, flooded over their their minds. Now, I realize that (laughs) you and I are probably not going to find ourselves in that situation, like this exact situation, probably not going to happen to any of us. But I think we can all identify with that feeling of shame. I looked up the definition of shame, and it's a painful feeling of humiliation or distressed caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. I feel like that lines up completely with what happens in this passage of scripture. It basically describes that passage of scripture. Shame, it would make the disciples and this guy who lost his clothes probably think it was over for them. When they were taking in like, what happened, they probably thought, it's over for us. We just deserve the Son of God. He's going to hate us. But can't shame make us feel like that too? Like, God doesn't want anything to do with us? Can it make us think that God hates us or dislikes us? I'm sure they thought, man, when I see him again... I'm pretty sure they didn't want to see him again. It would make them want to hide like Adam and Eve. It made them want to hide. It makes us, when we have shame, want to hide from God. Because we think we disappointed him. We've, he's not going to like us. He's not going to love us. Let me tell you something. Jesus is the opposite of shame. You know what he's about? He's about restoration. Restoration means the action of returning to a former owner, place, or condition. God did that with Adam and Eve. They're out there full of shame, hiding themselves. God knew where they were. He wasn't like, where are He's like walking through the garden. Where are you? He knew where they were even in their shame. But he wanted to be restored back to them. And he wants 
He did that with his disciples. When he did see them, he wasn't like you and you and you. You fled, you're done. He didn't, I mean, look at the disciples. Look at what they went on to do for, for God, for, I mean, even Jesus appears to them before he goes up to heaven. They weren't, it wasn't over for them because they fled. He wants to do that with us as children. Some of you listening right now, you are suffering from shame. You are hiding yourself because you feel shame. That's that's not from, from God. It's not. He wants to be restored with you. He wants relationship with you. He loves you. The disciples were in a lost cause and neither are we. It wasn't over for them. And it's not over for us. I love that two little scriptures that seem pretty insignificant can actually have some significant depth. I don't know if this was a crazy podcast <laughs> that took two scriptures about a naked man and how we we get here, but I just felt like it was just something I was supposed to talk about. And honestly, I will never look at those scriptures again without thinking more about that moment and more even about what God has done for me. That he went through all that and he died for people that fled, (laughs) that left him. And yet he did. He did it for them. He did it for us. So if you have any amount of shame in your life, I'm just going to say, just take that and just be restored to him. It it doesn't have to be complicated. (laughs) He's calling you just like he did Adam and Eve. He's calling you. He's calling your name. He wants to be with you. He wants to spend time with you. It's not over. You don't have to, you know, feel any of that. I don't know. Maybe it's just for one person to hear. And if it is, it's for you. (laughs) I hope you enjoy diving into some pretty deep waters. (laughs) What seems simple, I think, has quite a bit of depth to it. So thanks for joining me as we... We're diving into deep waters today.